Hey, this is Barbara Corker, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, today we're talking about my favorite subject, selling. We're going to talk about how do you sell a product? How do you make it go big? What are the steps involved? And also we're going to talk about how do you sell yourself? How do you make yourself the best product that everybody wants to grab? Stay tuned. You're going to learn a lot today. Hey, Barbara, this is Wendy Cushel, Low Country Sugar Scrub in Bluffton, South Carolina. Okay, here's my question. How do I build my brand? I'm getting in stores one by one. I'm selling online. I'm doing festivals. But the brand is fantastic, and I need to get to the next step. What do I do? Thank you. Plus, I love you, Barbara. I read your book. I think you're the best. How do you build your brand? I suspect that you probably know a good deal about that already, or you would be getting the traction you have, right? But let me ask you a few questions just so I get a little bit more lay of the land. How old is your business? How long have you been doing it? I I, well, I uh, did the whole business documents uh, August of 2020, but I started this whole situation in August of 2019. No, November of 2019. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. I threw coconut oil and sugar together and gave it away for Christmas because somebody told me what sugar scrub was because I'd never heard of it. before. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So easy to make, too, as well. Um, May I ask you, uh, so you've been in business a little bit more than two years? Yes, but not really, because I didn't launch. Like I didn't get my product until August 2nd of this year. Like it didn't land at my door. Ah. So all the all the, you know, procuring the, the the jars and the labels and the designs and the figuring everything out and getting the money, that all happened. And then August 2nd, they landed at my door and I've been going 100 miles an hour since that day. Okay, great. You know, that's a, that's a really good uh, sh- a quick start time, honestly, to do the labeling, the branding, the sourcing, the manufacturing, the shipping alone is so delayed for so many young businesses today. Uh, that's, that's a pretty damn good fast record as a, as a get-go. Good for you. That's all. Thank you. Most of us, it's the hardest part is getting off the ground. So tell me, uh, what are your sales so far from the point in which you started selling? Oh, how long ago was that? Uh, basically that day, the next day, August 2nd, let's say the first week of August. And I was dribbling and drabbling. I had, and, and the only way I got into stores when that first month when I would consign it, I would say, here, take 10 jars and pay me every 30 days. Mm-hmm. Fine. And then um, I got, I got into a better, a good store where they just bought. And then from there, I've been growing. And I would say, because I launched a new product, which is the one, uh, only in the beginning of November, I've been growing exponentially in, in the smaller scale that I'm on anyway, Barbara. I'm only like yesterday, a lady came to my house and spent $150. The day before, maybe I only made $100. But then I got an order for $400 on a PO. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm growing every day, every week, but I'm not in the thousands or the anything. Oh, how could yet. you possibly be? It's, it's a young business. It's like uh, giving birth to a child and hoping that they're good at tennis by their third month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it just doesn't yes. happen that quickly. You have to scrap and and hustle for every buck that you make and for every additional dollar that you get to build your business. So you're doing that. Uh, so to date, you've been in business, what, roughly about, I mean, selling product only less than four months, four months, That's amazing. almost not even the total of four months. So what but I'm in some major stores down here, like, you know, really stores that have been around since 1965. This one, I don't know if I'm supposed to say the name or not, so I won't, but you know, stores that have several locations that, that are known that people go to for everything, that kind of thing. And then like little boutiques. You're making the sales calls yourself directly to the buyers at those stores? Yes, ma'am. And I work full time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, little detail. That shouldn't get in the way. What the hell? It doesn't because I'm a liquor rep and I drive around all day. And sometimes I make a lunch break. Oh, let me stop in their store and see if they want to buy any. Good for thing. you. You know, you might be surprised. I think when you have that kind of time pressure uh, and squeeze a new business in, you tend to get more done in the early days. People who have the whole day will sit and procrastinate about, wait, wait, should I call on those stores? How about I do it Thursday? When you're squeezing it in around your lunch break, you actually get more done, like burst your energy. And also <laughs> you come across differently when you have urgency of time. Thank your full-time job, even though I'm sure it's driving you nuts for the time being, uh, for helping you have that urgency with this. Absolutely. Right, yes, absolutely. Okay. And so, I don't want you to think that I didn't look, listen to your eight steps. Like I know that. And I know I called about building a brand and, and I, but like, I'm, I don't still want you to think that I'm not paying attention. Cause like, I know like you already like did a thing on that and I know, but I'm just so like eager for knowledge. All right. I'll be quiet now. Okay. So let's, let's see if we can help you. So to date, okay. Give me a rough dollar figure. Have you sold $3,000 worth of merchandise? Six? What? Oh gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, a company in Maryland bought, um, $15,000 worth. Mm -hmm. They bought a thousand, like a thousand jars. So yes. Store. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So figure, let's say you have $20,000 in sales. Okay. Okay. All right. That's cool. That's a great start. You shouldn't be apologetic about that. Sales are sales. And then that's the earliest ones are the hardest ones to generate before the business starts to take on sort of a life of its own with you pushing from the rear, right? Of course. Uh, what's working best for you when you think about those sales? I always think it's great for any business at any size to regularly sit down. I do it with my business all the time with all the businesses I've invested in. What's working best for you? You have three, three kinds of sales from what you said. You have um, the stores, obviously. I think your question referenced online sales as well. And you also do festivals, you said in your question. Of those three, what's your big generator of, of the three? Stores. Yeah, by far. By far. Not only the direct sale to the store, but I always tell them, let me come in and hand sell. Let me do a pop-up. And then when I meet and greet the customers, you know, coming from the liquor business, you always have to do wine tastings and liquor tastings. And that's how they build brands. So I'm like, let me come in there. I'm free on Saturday. I'll give you three hours. And then I go and I meet the customers and I sell. And that's that's responsible for generating most of your sales. Do those sales continue after you leave the store during the week? Or must you? Be I believe so, because one store in particular, I've had three reorders and three, three times, three invoices. Yes. Uh, a reorder is an A on a report card. When you get a reorder of your product, you should look to the heavens and say, thank you, God, you've just endorsed my product because that's really what a reorder is. <laughs> and okay. of course, fulfilling orders is a lot easier than starting a, a new sales call and, and winning a new loyalty and getting your first order from someone. So good for you. Okay. What about how are you using the festivals? And are they, are they is there an S on that word or did you attend one festival or what's going no, on? No, there's been several. And um, 
The first one would have been better had it not been Love Bug Day in South Carolina, which are these little oh, dogs that do it and are all over my table. But otherwise, I meet a lot of people. I haven't had humongous sales at any particular festival yet, but I feel that they're productive because I'm meeting, I'm greeting, I'm giving my card, and I'm just helping. You know, on that Saturday, what I could be doing maybe something else more productive. I'm not sure. I think this is a good way to spend the time. Well, when you're when you're conducting those sales. Are you selling product? Do people actually get to buy it and take it home or just take your card? No, no, I have it there. And I do a little presentation. I call it a fake shower because sugar scrub, you have to try with water. So I have a little spray bottle and I rub it on them and then I spray them. And then I give them a paper towel from Bloomingdale's and let them wash it off and they can feel how smooth their skin is and the, you know, the scent and everything. And that has definitely sold. Okay, so you've sold them. And on a given Saturday, when you've attended them in a typical hour, how many jars do you sell? Yeah, I did one this past Sunday. I got there at 7.30. I left at 10. I sold 10 jars altogether. Okay, may I ask you one more time? How many hours did you work? I didn't listen. Well, I got there. Well, I got there at 7.30. I think I actually got there at 8 o'clock and I left at 10. You mean you only work from 8 to 10 in the morning, not 10 at night? Oh God, no. Yeah. Yeah. It was just two hours. It was a 5k. And I set up my little thing. And because I have this new product, the hand scrub or whatever, they would, they just fly. They just fly. Okay. Um, so your hand scrub is your second product. It's selling better than your first product. Yes, absolutely. Hand hands down. (laughs) (laughs) How about your online business? Are you getting many orders or is that a subordinate piece of your business? It's a subordinate, some friends, some family, and then some randoms. Yeah. And some randoms. But I was just in a magazine recently, which I didn't even know. And some lady was on the line trying to find my products and my Amazon pay didn't work, which I didn't know either, but she came over and got the stuff. Now I could picture your whole scene very well. Okay. I think the best thing you're doing right now is working full time and squeezing in this other business around it. Number one, I've seen more great businesses launched under pressure of time. You're obviously good on your feet. You're traveling around. So thank God for your regular job. So you can stop in stores. You can see stores and stores have been your number one producer. I love the idea that you're spending some of your time on weekends to demonstrate in those stores. I think there's no replacement than the old fashioned demonstration. So I think you spending your time doing that is a great idea. I think on the online sales, you should ignore it for now, which I typically don't say because usually... That's a great source of revenue, but I haven't heard you talk about it in a way that that's your favorite child or that you love social media or you know how to drum that beat, you know, beat that drum, so to speak. But you do know how to make a sales call. You do know how to make a presentation in person and it's paying off for you. So what do you say if you get orders for the moment anyway online, you kind of ignore that. I mean, you fulfill the orders, but I think to really do a good business online, it's got to be front and center and you've got to really focus and put so many ingredients in place that make it work. I don't think that's your wheelhouse now. When you get bigger, you could probably hire someone who knows that, but you don't have that revenue to do it now. So let's push that to the side and focus on what's working for you. Your festivals, how many festivals can you do? Well, this coming weekend, I've got two, all day Saturday and all day Sunday. Have you done an all-day festival before? Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. I have. I mean, yes. You know, you know, speaking like 10 to 5 or something like that, I have an all day done it. Book. Yes. Well, the, the one that was like 10 to 3, whatever it was, it was very hot. But yeah. yes, I have a tent, the whole thing. I drag my stuff all up there. Yeah. yeah. And you have good signage. So those people who don't even buy your product at, at least... 
get their mind imprinted with your product name might might be there the next time you're there. Do you have good signage there at your booth? I I did spend a pretty penny on this pen uh, tent, and it and it does have my 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 face on it. Wendela's, you know, Low Country Sugar Scrub. It's a pretty nice tent. And then wow. I have I have a chalkboard, uh, you know, Low Country Sugar Scrub and the ingredients. And then I have the little another chalkboard that a friend who's an artist did, and it says "Want a fake shower?" So people walk by <laughs> and they're like, "What?" Yeah. Gimmick. Yeah. So people come in. Gimmick. <laughs> do you do you stay inside the fence, Wendy, or do you roll in the, in the outside? Tent? What? Uh, well, sometimes I come out because I mean I don't know. Like is like I'm kind of like a carny. You know, hey, come on over, check this out. I do that if I have to. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not coming over themselves, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm going to go get them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think that's a good idea because you have this kind of personality that can drag people in. I wouldn't okay. want you hiding yourself inside the fence. Okay. Okay. So, so um, my next question is, uh, what else can you do that falls into that wheelhouse? You've got, you know a person to person kind of contact, can you double or triple the number of sales calls you're making uh, to the stores? Yes. Can you? Yes. Because now I feel more confident mm. because the, these, these are going to sell out and I, you know, I'm not sure how I'll go forward with them or I won't because I paid a manufacturer a lot of money for this product and these I make myself and I have so much confidence in these when you say that, these, you're holding up what the hand scrub or the, the face hand scrub? scrub. The yes, hand scrub. I make them myself, and I'm, I'm doing I something see. very interesting with them that has something to do with botanicals. But right. anyway, I'm so confident for these. I'm not as confident for these. These make me tingle. So when I walk in any store, I sell them because they they smell them and they go, "Oh my god!" So yes, again, now your hand scrub. You're talking about your hand the scrub hand scrub, sells. but they're so new, Barbara. That. I don't even have enough packaging. The labels are, I'm still using Avery's because I have to get, you know, the whole thing, but I'm going, like I'm going, I'm making them in the morning and then the night and then I'm selling them and selling them. I'm like, I can't keep enough of them. So I feel great about these mm-hmm. and I feel motivated. These, I didn't, they're pretty and yes, they do sell, but they're la 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 body scrub. Everyone has one, but these by your kitchen sink, people don't, they think, oh yeah, by my kitchen sink. When my fingers are garlicky, oh my God, this is perfect. Absolutely. And they buy it. Yes, I get it. I get it. So you discovered your winner and it's it's only your second product. Good for you. A lot of people discover their winner after they have 12 products and have a massive products they have to get rid of. How much excess inventory do you have of the face scrub? Can you unload that in these festivals by just keeping them on the table? Yeah. All right. So let's show that. I, mean, I, to sold, the side. I already sold almost half of these, so I'm good. Okay, so you had your first child. You're not crazy about it. So let's focus on your second child, the, the yes. winner who's going Thank to grow you. your business, all right? Okay. I think you should sit down, uh, which I think is probably a tall order for somebody like you. I don't get the feeling you sit down much. But I think you should sit down, take three to four hours in a quiet place, and write a list of what you really need, what you could dream about. Like, oh, if only I had, if only I had dot, dot, dot. If only I had a real label, if only I had 10,000 real labels, if only I had uh, 20,000 jars, if only I could go to six new festivals a month, if only I could visit 12 stores a week, if only a real dream, not with no practical piece to it whatsoever, but just dream about Wendy as the king entrepreneur of hand scrub. What would it look like? What would that picture look like? And on that sheet should be, if only I had this, that, 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 that. 
And then I think the second step, and I say this from my heart because I've done it myself for my own business and other people's businesses, and it truly works. Then I think you should go through and rate those items in order of priority, not one through 10, but simply what's an A, what's a B, and what's a C. The Cs can wait forevermore. The Bs, you know, you'd like to get that done, but will it really affect your business? No, the A's might look something like, so maybe new labels might be a B because you can still make these Emory labels. You've been doing it and they're still selling. People aren't buying it for the sake of the label. They're buying the product. But wouldn't it be great if you had a great label? All right, but that would be a B. An A would be call on 14 more stores instead of the one on Monday, okay, or whatever. But really put the flesh and bones on that little dream list of what it would look like and pull out your A's and promise yourself that you'll only do your A's. You're not going to worry about the rest. They'll happen in due time. And I think if you do that, even though it sounds extreme, once a month, you'll find your A's start to shift. Some of your B's become your A's. You think of another idea that's a new A or maybe even a double A. Oh my God, I got to do this. But it gives you the clarity of not uh, being all over the place. The biggest thing this that- is the best advice anyone's ever you've you've like like funneled it right in yeah more this for your personality too Barbara. yeah because you're one of those people that you're like a bundle a bundle going a lot of directions and that is the mark of a great entrepreneur it's also a mark of what could be a confused entrepreneur but it's a matter of uh the difference between the two are priorities you know, clarity on what your priorities are. I think if you do that, your business is going to boom because, and also you'll be a little bit more relaxed mentally because on those things that you think, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, because you're one of those. Right. I feel like a, like a thing is just lifted off my shoulders. Honestly, I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And now I'm going to do the A. Yeah, well, you're going to funnel your energy. That's to the stuff that counts. That's what it this is. the best thing ever that ever happened to me in my life. You telling me this. Oh, come on. It can't be the best thing. How about All right, Rebecca, the, Jacob, and then you. Can you have a great boyfriend or anything? That's got to be the best thing. Oh, yeah, I got a husband, yeah. Yeah, oh, he's a husband. Forget about him. You take him for granted. Okay, I get it. All right. <laughs> All right, Wendy. So write me a note, will you? Or call me back on my 888 Barber line and let me okay. know what your A's are as an accountability. Just send me, hey, here are the A's I decided on. Lovely spending time with you, Wendy. You're lovely and thank you very much. Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, Barbara, it's Karen Thompson from the San Francisco Bay Area. So my question for your podcast this week is, it's sometimes difficult to articulate creative strategy in business. How would you suggest women do that in interviews uh, when there is a creative component to, a biz- to say, business sales? Um, don't know if I'm phrasing the question right, but I always feel that I seem to get cut down when I'm trying to articulate an accomplishment in new business development and sales in business where there's a creative component that just sort of gets washed under the rug with data. So hope you got the question. Thank you. Bye. I thought maybe to help clear it up, as you said, uh, you want to try to articulate an accomplishment in your new business development and sales and business. 
in an interview situation. Give me a few examples of the kind of question they would pose. I think that would be most helpful to me to help you. One you typically stumble with where you're feeling inadequate and you feel like you're not really saying what you meant to say. Uh, that's usually a very good guide of, of uh, which ones are stumbling blocks. Okay, it's it's uh, some of it isn't PC, but I'm gonna I'm gonna add it into the interview. Okay. So let's say someone says, uh, "Tell me about your accomplishments or sales," because life intervened and got in the way. I was a top performer, but eons ago in the media. Mm -hmm. So, for example, now when I'm dealing with Gen Z generally, mm -hmm. and a lot of tech people. Even though I've worked for startups, I'm being grilled and I'm being asked process. Get, yesterday, I was asked by a young gentleman. Um, he said, I see all your accomplishments. I want a process. I want you to drill down and give me metrics. And I said, a lot of what I do is conceptual. Some of it is instinctive and I build relationships. So great answer, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Because I have been creating the past six months and I need, I need to move forward or a veer even at this age. So bottom line was he didn't get it. Other people running um, uh, big, uh, financial or tech companies who were very impressed with me personally when it came down to saying, I have done all these uh, things in my life and some of it, I can't give you metrics like an algorithm. I can't give you data because that's not how I deal with people. It's a different level and it was not understood. I see. And it also leaves you in the unfortunate position of feeling and looking out of date as though you haven't been up to date with the language of today. Well, confidence as well, I'm sure, or it certainly would be bad for my confidence if in a circumstance like that. But are you feeling in those instances that you're being written off then in response to uh, what they perceive as a, a poor response on your part. Yes, I feel that sometimes people, for instance, in Silicon Valley or the Bay Area, I feel that sometimes I've seen people with an iota of my background, experience, oh. et cetera, and they give better answers than me. Yes. They sort of finesse the questions. No matter what I do, I can't seem to come up with the correct answer. And it is what it is. I need to work forever. Um, so I, I want to be able to give answers that get me back uh, at, a, at a tech startup or <laughs> else do what I wanted to do for all my life, be a real estate agent. I'm not being funny. I'm not being funny. It always eluded me because of personal things and family, but that was my dream because I'm a hustler and I have grit, high energy, and I really care about people. Okay, I'm going to put the real estate, which I'd like to return to just to the side for a moment, because I want to stay on task on the first part first. Uh, what field were you in in sales? I, I assume you had a position in direct sales in the past? I, I, uh, I have journalism degrees, but yes. and I've written news much earlier in my career in the States and out of the country, but I never pursued that. I see. And um, my, my jobs were in San Francisco, 
working for an alternative news weekly where they just gave me a phone and a, and, and a desk and I became their top salesperson. I'm not surprised. And that's what you did. You concentrated fully on selling. I I brought people, they call it a lot of different names now, but I brought people in a very competitive market merchants. And I basically was doing what they now call consultative and discovery. I was really finding out about people staying in my lane and ignoring the competition, which was great from San Jose to, to uh, Sacramento, and really nurturing and bringing people on, being ethical with them and working on their campaigns, writing them, doing all, it was advertising, but really working with them year after year. And I blew out all records. That alternative News Weekly ended up being, uh, doing, having a profit because of me. And then a large uh, radio station came and got me and I was their top new business development person bringing in new deals that I'd find like brands, et cetera. The average sale was about a thousand two. I was the only one who knew how to pick up a phone, hustle, get out there. And I brought in, in the end, close to a million dollars, Pioneer Electronics and uh, a chain of sto uh, electronic stores. But life got in the way. I got married. I went off track for a long time. And then brought in, uh, was brought in to sell new media in the Bay Area mm -hmm. and nationally. But then I jumped ship cleverly, I think, and went to startups. And so and how, it did. Uh, give me a time frame on that. How long ago did you jump ship and go to startups? Long time ago. Uh, oh, three years, five years ago. Yeah. Oh, three. And I was lucky. I'm so sorry, Karen, you said three years. Did I listen? Oh, three. I wish I wish it was three. Yeah. <laughs> they all say two to three years of experience. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> got a bit more, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What can I say? I mean, it it is what it is. So I just when you, when you went to the startups, were you doing sales as well? Yes, but um, on the back end, be it a fintech or a new company or a New York startup, I was really because I'm not an engineer. Mm -hmm. I was really developing the relationships mm -hmm. and um, bringing them in closing them, but the final deal was done by the back-end engineers. And that became a semantic problem this week too in an interview. I he see. said, well, he said, well, you didn't sell. I said, uh, I brought them in. <laughs> I created yes. the relationship. Of course. Um, I just wanted to ask very briefly, Ken, uh, and then I'm going to come back on track again. When you mentioned real estate, could you not afford to work on a commission basis? That's funny. Um, I had a, a personal thing I'm not going to go into that happened. That was my dream always. First, yes. my family, my family said girls didn't do real estate because they couldn't do math. True story, East oh. Coast, Canada. And then what happened was later on uh, when it when I took the real estate courses and I said, you're going to do phenomenally. Uh, I had a, uh, a divorce and other things that got in the way. So you, um, you kept those old sales jobs. So it's continued on those tracks. Yes. But, but, you, I, but you couldn't afford to leave and do a commission job right now, right? That's off the, off the table of opportunity. You can't afford to do that right now. I was listening to your other podcasts and perhaps I should, I was trying to strategize and say, maybe get a basic job that pays bills and um, take the real estate on the side and do commission only and just hustle and hustle as, as much as I can. But I don't know if that's unrealistic. 
Well, let me start there. I'm almost going to work backwards with you. If you were to go into the real estate business, the real estate has to be the full-time job. But I know many, many people who became successful doing a side hustle that just played, paid a flat fee. Sometimes making sales online, uh, working in their own homes, uh, sometimes being a cross between a sales and a service department. There's plenty of work you could pick up to be paid uh, part-time to supplement your income. The question is how much income must you, how much do you have to make uh, to be able to live? Uh, but one thing I can tell you assuredly from my experience in sales, in real estate sales, that is, and probably true of all sales, I would think, uh, it cannot be a part-time job. It has to be the main focus. Uh, my reaction to you is you would be phenomenal in real estate sales. And my second uh, reaction to you is you would fall in love with it. All right. So maybe that's a worthy God to give some thought to. All right. But give some thought to that. Let me leave it again for a moment. I have a question. Uh, yes, of course. Yeah. You started young. I mean, your 22 jobs, your history, which, you know, I revere, is, was young and you did that. Can people who are uh, passing uh, at a certain point start and, and make it? I feel why not be satisfied because life goes on anyway. Mm -hmm. um, it was a disadvantage for anyone young to go into real estate then when I started, and it's a disadvantage today. Uh, they don't have the people skills. They haven't met people in life, so they don't have a lot of contacts. And most importantly, the customer doesn't give them any credibility, even if they're great at what they did. I knew what I was doing from day one. And what I didn't know, I bullshitted about and got away with, right? But <laughs> the fact of the matter is I look too young for the role. I look too young for the role. So much so that if I was asked to negotiate a commission or anything that took authority, I would pretend I had to go ask my father, who of course wasn't in my business, <laughs> had no interest. <laughs> but it gave me credibility because they felt like, oh, good, there's somebody older there, <laughs> you know? And so they kind of assume my father helped me out with what I did. And that was to my own benefit. So no, uh, being older in the field is a huge advantage. Although I was 22, 23 at the time, I was hiring in my 20s. The average age of everyone I was hiring in real estate was probably 45 to 55. Wow. And I was particularly went after people who had that life experience because I learned that they were very good at the field. If they had the ability to sell, you don't have to prove the ability to sell. You got the ability to sell. It's just a question of where do you want to apply your talent, you know? Now, if you chose not to go into real estate because you feel like it's going to be too stressful because you don't have enough of, uh, of a soft landing to pay your bills and feel comfortable about it, uh, and you want to get a full-time job, uh, what I'm hearing you say is that you're applying to industries that naturally are not going to respect you for your age and experience, nor do they speak the same language. If you're going into technology fields, financial fields, and interviewing, I think it's a hard mountain to climb for you. Because even though you can get very good at your answers, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna give you some good answers. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna reword what I heard from you a few minutes ago. Okay. Even though uh, you can answer properly, you're almost you almost are not a good fit. Mm -hmm. You don't look like those young kids running around. You don't talk like them. You can't give them whatever the word is. that I don't even know what it means that you said the <laughs> algorithm, whatever the hell they were asking you for earlier. You're not going to spit that language out. So they're not going to see you as one of them. So I'd rather you apply to businesses where your personality and experience would better apply. Maybe not so 
directly as a publication to do exactly what you've done before, but there's plenty of businesses much more related and so many new businesses being born, startups that do relate to what you've done in the past, okay? When they ask you that question, ask it, ask it to me again. I'm going to be Karen here. Ask me that question. You be that whippersnapper uh, challenging you on the other end of the desk. What did he ask you? Could you could you tell me blah blah blah? You said it very well earlier. Could um, okay. I see here uh, that that you have some experience, but I run processes and operations. Uh, you just said you just said results are results are the, what I produce, and that's important. I don't care about that. I would I would have you meet with all our uh, tech people and our junior people, and I want to know if you understand processes and metrics. Mm -hmm. I have to. What's the gentleman's name? Wise ass. I'll call it. Hey, Mr. Wise ass. <laughs> okay. All right. Just to have fun with it, right? Hey, Mr. Wiseass, there hasn't been a single position I've ever held that didn't include processes. Every position I went into, I had to learn the processes of the company to function well there and so that it could add to the tremendous bottom line that they were all after. Let me tell you something. Put me with any one of your people in any of your departments, and the processes are very easy to learn. What's not easy to learn is sales. When I was at such and such company, I increased sales by 40% within one year. I was the top producer. When I was at this company, I increased sales, blah, blah, blah. They sold eventually to another conglomerate who purchased the business out. That would have never happened if the sales weren't there. They had no sales before I arrived. When I was at this company. Now, these are the areas that I think everybody in the world is entitled to bullshit about. You have truth there, but you could really deliver it like almost like a train coming down the track to mow them over. But you go right through the entire resume and speak the truth as to what you did there, what you did here, what you did there. And I'd like to bring that to the table here at your company. When do I start? All right. I think it, it calls for being putting someone in place in a in a very persuasive, powerful way that maybe you're not taking for yourself. You don't feel like you have the right to take and it would make you feel diminished when actually I read it as an insult. Like what? Oh, this job involves processes and you want me to give you a blah, blah. I mean, it's almost laughable, but slam them right back on what you do, which is the rarest talent in the world that he should long for in any business, which is the ability to bring in sales. Without sales, the business is nothing. And every one of these positions, I'm sure, involves sales in some way. And that's your ballywick. That's what you do well. You can't let them get away with diminishing you in that regard. Just slam back in your language what you did for all these companies right away and then see what he does with it. Brilliant. You know, earlier in my career, I didn't realize how lucky I was in San Francisco that I had bosses who understood like you intrinsically yes. what I brought to the table and they had my back years later now i don't have that and yes. it's much more difficult the next question he says it says that you 
you've been freelancing and you work for, uh, you brought on an international young IT gentleman and you were the one who opened him up in North America this past year for, uh, and he, he scaled 600% into millions and he was not even a garage startup, a software developer. I said, yes. He said, that doesn't tell me processes. We want to know what you would do each day, how you would work. <laughs> But I didn't. Well, in, in answer to that one, what you would do each day, um, what I I would do each day, what your company objective is, what your objective for your department is, and if that was made clear, sir, and what is your objective, mm. I would figure out how to get there. I mean, you could just come right back. What is your objective? I mean, this is nonsense talk, all of it. I suspect, oh. honestly, Karen, between the lines, what I'm hearing is the guy wanted to get rid of you. You weren't his type. Yeah. And he doesn't deserve you, honestly. I don't think so, you know? Yeah, I don't see that as a fit, no matter how good or strong you are. But the one thing for sure is you want to be strong before you write it off, before you let them write you off, right? Thank you. Um, in terms, you hit the nail on the head spot on. I have a question about real estate because that yes. was my dream. First of all, I wanted my own business always. And it wasn't in vogue when I- it, Real estate is your own business always. It's nobody else's, no matter what company you work for, it's your own business, yes. Go ahead. Okay, because you're right. In sales, I feel like I've a lot of people your in my- business. Yeah, they felt that I was magic. So I yes. know, but I was told in real estate in the Bay Area, and I'm not, a, I don't know. Uh, they said, oh, the other reason you wouldn't do well now is because no one in Gen Z would buy from a person they buy online. You would never go and show a house. So your skills would be uh, not valuable. And I don't know if that's correct. No, it's not true at all. No, personality and the ability to get along with people and to generate business by not literally knocking on doors, but finding a way to find a customer. You've done that your whole life, you know? Uh, is the nature of the game. It, uh, you know, the computer or another word would be, I guess, the processes support you. <laughs> That's all at its very best. It's what it is. It's a support. Now it's driven real estate by personality every time and faith in the personality and referrals and the willingness to recommend you to a friend. It would probably take you six months to accomplish that, honestly. All right. And even there's another way into the real estate. I would probably not really suggest for you because I think you're way past it in your sales ability, but you could attach yourself to a top agent as an assistant uh, and make a little bit of money that way, but get the lay of the land because that's a great, great head start in the real estate trade. You get to see a superstar, how they pitch, how do they get listings, how they market, how they uh, handle customers. And you can watch them firsthand uh, and learn really quickly. And then you'll know yourself whether you're able to do it. I'm sure you'll be able, if you dropped into real estate tomorrow on a Monday, you would know how to do it. I'm going to tell you that. You just have to learn the process. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're making my life. This is yeah. my dream always. Yeah. I'm, I'm not wrong on salespeople though. If there's one thing I have a nose for is who would sell, who won't sell. I rarely make a mistake. Thank God. So far anyway, I doubt whether you're my you, first. Yeah. So you feel that despite everything, despite that I'm not 20 doing it like you or doing it like you at 22, you feel I could kick. Karen, your age is your age is your advantage. It's a clear advantage. You're like, mom, you're going to take care of me. You know, you're not going to steer me wrong. You look honest. You sound honest. You are honest. Why wouldn't a customer trust you? And you know how to hustle. So why wouldn't a company hire you? Absolutely.
Barbara. Hi, Barbara. This is Toby calling from Carmel, Indiana. I love you and thank you so much for inspiring entrepreneurs and giving us tools. My question is, how do you really feel about the restaurant industry right now with staffing shortages, um, supply chain issues, and an overall just state of discouragement for us in the industry? I'm about to embark on opening a really unique restaurant and also picnic catering service. And I just really would like some input. I'm getting cold feet. My business is goodness gracious. Thank you so much. Let me compliment you on your uh, company name. Uh, goodness gracious. I hope it has an exclamation point. Great name. Yes. Yeah. How'd you know, you it's, it just back in 2012 or no, it was really, yeah, 2012, I ideas come to me constantly it's almost a curse sometimes when things don't play out but you know goodness gracious just makes me connect to uh the history of people you know and it it can be portrayed as oh goodness gracious you know and and so it reminds me of my grandma and i'm like that's the name I want for my restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea where that was going to go. And so, you know, over the years, it's really taken on so much. And I just feel like it is such a representation of simplicity and kindness and, you know, the history of days gone by. And joyfulness and playfulness. I would yes. think that makes yes. sense. Yeah, conjures up good things and certainly old fashioned. So right. say, let's start at the guts of the issue. You said you're having cold feet. Yeah, I spin on cold feet. You mean you're having second thoughts first? Yes, not doing it, thinking what's what's on your having the cold feet. Yeah, um, you know it's the industry. First of all, um, you know. I'm haunted by the thoughts of, oh, employee shortages. Oh, restaurants are closing. Oh, the pandemic. Oh, the, the food supply. Um, and back in 2020, March of 2020, I was just about to sign a lease on a building and the pandemic hit. Oh, so consider that a lucky break. Time. I was very lucky. I would have been bankrupt before I even opened. Uh -huh. So it was a gift. So I have been very patient in letting things unfold and trusting that the people coming into my life are, you know, the right people. So I do know that. And, um, you know, I got back on the saddle and was given a connection. My broker connected me with someone who said, this is the male version of you if you were a 70 year old, you know, man. And he's eclectic. And what he does is he takes old businesses and gives them a new life, old buildings. And, and, you know, he's very successful. He's very different between taking an old building and renovating and giving a new life. Is that his trade or is, does he invest in businesses and revamp them? He invests in, in buildings. Um, at, like he took a huge old, um, famous warehouse in downtown Indianapolis 
and he turned it into this amazing multi-purpose um, uh, business for lots of small businesses to kind of get their start. Oh, in the food space, uh, like a food hall? Business, just very different, you know, unique. He really vets his people. Like, wow. mm -hmm. uh, so he approaches it with emotion. Is his actual business that he renovates spaces? He's a creative in that regard. Yes. And has he created a space that you are interested in? Yes. Ah, now so, it gets interesting. Yeah, it is. So he has been in Indianapolis legend and now uh -huh. he's moving to my community which is carmel indiana which is one of the best places to live in the united states and he'd and like you to he'd like you to actually lease a space in, in he wants me to be the premier wow. uh, anchor in this multi-space building is it built already or is it soon it, to be built it's built it was wow. a uh it was a um furniture store mm -hmm. for you know the last 40 years but the building part of it was built in the late 1800s lovely so they were going to demolish it so and he said no it. and the space he's offering it. you now is it a renovated space or it still needs to be renovated it's renovated oh. however you know it's i have to go through with my you know potential space and um you know do the build out i have to build a kitchen from scratch there's is he giving a, you no. is he giving you a construction allowance and a free yes and it's and it's not what i feel it needs to be um how many so, months rent would that allowance represent if you could convert it to the monthly rent yes so price per square foot is 29.80 mm -hmm. with a thirty-six thousand dollar allowance mm -hmm. however Area, it's in such a prime location. Let me just challenge you on, on one question so that I yeah. can understand. I don't want to give you misadvice. Um, the price, uh, you told me the price per foot, what would the monthly rental be? Put it in that term. Um, the mon monthly rental would be $4,500 a month for 1,218 square feet. And again, the allowance he's giving you is how much money total? $36,000. Mm -hmm. The kitchen alone to build out is $156,000 mm -hmm. alone. Is there any free rent in addition? No. Mm -hmm. So it's a equivalent of about eight months rent. Yes. Yeah. Um, I could argue that that's a reasonable amount, or I could argue that it's a shortfall. Yeah. Depending entirely on what are the landlords are offering in that area. Maybe not in as nice a space. But have yeah. you been in the market long enough to get a sense of in a build out for a restaurant, which yeah. is one of the most expensive build outs, of course. It is. Um, so, but, uh, yeah. Totally. But have you gotten a sense of what other landlords offer? Is, it, is that the going norm there? Eight months? Uh, you know, I think it, it's it's definitely low. Mm -hmm. um, have you countered? Is yeah. It your, yeah. Is it your so broker or his broker? Yeah. Um, our we had a mutual his his real estate agent was also my broker uh -huh. and uh the most amazing man friend and uh -huh. he's worked with me for two years my biggest uh -huh. cheerleader right. and he connected us and he uh died of a peanut allergy to oh my my. at age 31. Oh. so oh both turner and i really have grieved through that mm. so 
that's a big reason why I think we have really been bonded. And I know he has my best interest and he, he's, you know, but he's also a businessman, but. I want you to reframe uh, the whole circumstance, if you would, okay? Okay. In my head, just for a minute for the exercise of it. All right. Okay. Uh, Turner uh, is a very successful man. Yes. And he ha he's obviously a good visionary and a developer. Yes. Uh, he's no piker. Right. Yeah. He's very savvy. He's done very well because he's very good at what he's doing. But that doesn't have a thing to do with you. Right. Uh, you have a commonality of the broker between you that you really enjoyed and liked. Um, yes. But that really has more to do with Turner than you, because I'm sure he's done more business with him than he's done with you and hoping to do business in two years. Yes. So even if he were still with us, I would have looked at him as Turner's broker versus your broker. Right. Turner's interest yeah. versus yours. Not that any broker okay. clearly represents only one side, but they answer to one side or the other. All right. Yeah. Now that broker is gone. You don't have a middleman. So mm -hmm. you're in the unfortunate position of representing yourself. Yes. Uh, the developer is in the fortunate position of not having to pay a commission. Yes. Which is a tremendous exactly. savings because these commercial commissions are large, okay? And they yeah. run over a period of years. Mm -hmm. My first uh, thinking on it is uh, that money should find its way into your pocket because yeah. it is a savings to the developer. I'm also wondering if you should get another broker to represent you. It's yeah. very hard to negotiate with a really big, successful individual when you are the new kid in town with all the insecurities and concerns that come with starting anything. Yeah. It's, and it is, it's like your first baby, you're more yeah. nervous than you are with your third, right? When you get your third restaurant going, you're going to feel like a different individual in your boots than you are feeling right now. But yeah. it's your first baby. That's hard. I yeah. think you need a middleman to represent you. Okay. okay. And I think you could hire someone to represent you and, and mention it uh, to the developer. I'm going to call him the developer because yeah. he is, right? Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you know, you, you're going to get another broker so that you can continue the negotiation. But you want to tell him that the deal as it stands is just not even feasible for you with your finances. Right. Just not even feasible. Right. Before you hire the broker. All right. Is there a chance that he could give you a year and a half concession? Right. Possibly. Yeah. Okay. And it might sound a lot a year and a half, but if you had a year and a half concession, would you go forward with the lease? Yes, I would. Scared? I mean, I'm, yeah. you know, I, you know, there are some other things at play that, you know, I know I, I lost, I'm at a year anniversary of no sense of smell or taste from COVID. I'm what you call a long hauler. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's my whole life has revolved around food and, mm -hmm. you know, so I feel a little disabled. So I kind of shifted my business more to focus on the food legacies of, of others and the handwritten recipes. I have to follow recipes now. So now I kind of gained some depth through that because and what what does how does that translate into opening the restaurant though i'm not sure whether um, connection yeah it translates into that because i think that my menu has a little more heart so that um, can give you more confidence i would think yes less, right yeah so it it did you know and i i, I mean I've, i i'm in the business of 
really preserving the past through food and tradition, which is why I started the picnic basket delivery business. And that's been great. I have oh, a following. Uh -huh. Yeah. How long did so you start that business? I started that actually in 2018. Oh, and so it's so, been going well and growing. So the yeah, restaurant is an add-on. Yeah. So the restaurant I wanted to add on because it's hard to work out of a commercial kitchen, you know, to rent a kitchen. I need my own space. And and you figure yeah. you killed two bears with one stone having a restaurant yeah. and close businesses. Okay. Restaurant closes at 2 p.m. On the back end of that, I'm still making, you know, money by doing picnic baskets. Maybe, so, maybe yeah. you have to staff up. You have to put a lot of money into renovation. It's a sizable endeavor. I think they're uh, probably less related than you think. Yes. One is giving birth to triplets. The other is giving birth to a nice little nine pounder, you know? If you could, just theoretical, if that space had a kitchen already built, yeah. if it was half the size, half the rent, would you still be scared? No. Okay. Well, you just answered your own question. I think it's too big a deal to take that on. I mean, you're, yeah. you've been romanced by the stone and he understands you and he's sympathetic. Da, 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 da. It can't compete with fear when right. your fear is instinctive and very often based on intuitive feelings you might have that says mm -hmm. to you, whoa, slow down, yellow light, yellow light, yellow light. If you're feeling that, I would pay attention to it. I'm getting the impression that a lot of your fear is based on instinct, like you're just afraid. And now I'm going to tell you, there's only two interpretations of fear that I've watched in my own business, in myself, and in other businesses, okay? One of the interpretations is that cold feet is a great sign. You're about to step into something amazing, and you're like, oh, God, oh, it's yeah. natural to feel that way, okay? That's a good kind of a fear. The right. other fear is like, oh, crap, you know, I can't really picture this working. I, I, you know, why can't I just, you know, it's not a fear because you're a coward. It's a fear on instinct and you can't put labels or words on what it is, but it's not just fear of taking a chance. It's fear of, it doesn't feel right. doesn't fit. I guess the key word there would be fit. Yes. I'm getting yes. the sense that this space is too big a space, too rich a space, uh, mm -hmm. too much to take on against a big gorilla in the space as your opponent, because that right. man is your opponent. Yep. So yes. why not waylay that and just try to, or get rid of it entirely and try to find a smaller space with a new broker. I think yes. then you can size it up and your own gut reaction is going to tell you go or not go or not. I suspect yes. you will go. And I suspect that fear will be a very good sign. That's number one. Yes. I think a great okay. thing to ask yourself when you find that ideal space or close to ideal space and you start to think, oh my gosh, should I do it? Or should I do it? I would stop and say, what's the worst that could happen? The right. worst that could happen, you'd be paying off a 10-year lease. Well, then you need to renegotiate the lease from the get-go. You could keep right. it that long. The worst that could happen is you'll find nobody to work for you because the job market is so tight right now. Then right. what you could do is you could address that and really fish around and see, is it really real or could I find people to work? The yes. fear might be, oh my God, but the supplies, I can't get the flour. That's going to change. Yeah. I do happen to think right now is the best time in the world to start a restaurant across all boards, okay. provided the numbers and the space and the combination is good. And the reason for that is I think what the pandemic has taught people in a long-term way 
-hmm. is they really like eating out. I mean, I never knew how much I enjoyed eating out till I couldn't do it. Yeah. And And I, I mean, I have been, I reemerged, immersed myself in the business in 2018. When I made that decision, I got a master's. I was in social services. When I made that decision to jump off the board, yeah, to move forward in the food industry again, I went to work at a breakfast restaurant to see if I had what it takes. You know, I did my research. I did a farmer's market to see if the community liked what I was doing. What an intelligent approach. Yeah. Then I went to work for the number one restaurant in Indianapolis, St. Elmo's. You know, I love them. Their steps of service, they're all of it. They're such professionals. You learn so your dancing I've, steps in an intelligent fashion. Then you yeah. know enough. You know enough now whether you should jump or not. And on this particular yeah. deal, why don't you place the fear not on yourself, which would be unjust, yeah. but place the fear on the circumstance that doesn't fit you right yet and go out yes. and find something that fits you right. But I would caution you against misinterpreting this opportunity as fear in yourself and slowing down in your search, because you obviously are the type of person who, who can do things. You've proven it once with your yeah. first business. You wouldn't yeah. want to look back 10 years from now and say, I wish I should have, could have, because those are the sad people in life. And you don't have that exuberance about you. By yeah. You're devastating. Yeah. To close the book on this. Yeah. So I wrote a book. Yeah. I wrote a book about it and I have one last chapter. Good. You and know, wait, 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 looking at you and listening to you, you might have three last chapters or even six. You might yeah. compete for the next mall against this old guy. If he lives that long, 10 years from now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but one thing for sure is don't mislabel the fear as it being you, but your own good judgment of the circumstance. All right. Okay. And make sure you get a, a good broker or two or three. You don't have to relate to them and love them and become your best friend. That's, you've had that already. You want somebody yeah. who's on their game, really knows how to yeah. ferret things out and gives you great service. And let yes. those be a guide wire, guidelines as to who do you hire right now. But you definitely need a broker in place. And don't let any grass grow under your feet. This business is going to mm-hmm. happen. I'm sure of it. It's just a question yeah. of yeah, a better duck in order. That's all. Okay. So very nice talking yeah. with you, Toby. I look forward to your great, you. your great second success. <laughs> Thank you. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me. Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.